The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your meet cute is a little bit complicated. Meet cute? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. You're going to have to educate me on that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Getting used to a different pace of dating and staying in a relationship past its expiration date. Hmm. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health professionals at all in any way. Uh -uh. I took a AP psych class. That was the extent <laughs> of it. And also I've been in therapy for like yeah. 12 years of my life. I, I but follow like... <laughs> Br Brene Brown on Instagram. That's like my accreditation. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That is all you need to have yep. a, a podcast yep. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, this is all to say we are not professionals. We don't know what we're talking about. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only two, you know, English majors offering our humble musings, hopefully to shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience. That is love, Sam Blackwell. 
Sierra de Mulder airs. Getting into that spooky season. <laughs> All right. So here we are. <laughs> also, cute meat, meat cute. What is that? Meat cute. It's meat, in like, a, like meat, as in like I'm yeah, going meat. to meet you or like meat grinder. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> meat like. Uh, like I'm going to meet you, but it could involve a meat grinder. It's just like in romantic comedies or like movies, the when the protagonists meet each other in like a really cute way of like, oh, oh they like, you know, drop all their boxes and then he accidentally takes oh, her I thing and she like that's with Willow. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, very good. Um, thank you for educating <laughs> me and making me better for sure. I learned that from the um, amazing holiday movie, The Holiday, starring Kirsten Dunst <laughs> and. Um, oh my god, what is her name? I have no idea. I have no Titanic. idea. Titanic. Not oh. even Kirsten Dunst. Oh my god, the, everything I just said was wrong. <laughs> Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet. There it is. Wow. <laughs> I was picturing a totally different movie with Kirsten yeah. Dunst in it. All right. Yeah. Let's get into our checking topic before we're like 30 shades off of off the normal topics. Very good. Talking. <laughs> All right, so the check-in topic for today is inspired by one of your fantastic suggestions. I asked the Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and I saved a bunch of your responses to pull from. I'm not going to cite the person who I got this from because I did not get their consent, but this person was asking how to maintain a friendship when um, there are romantic and sexual feelings involved. I'm guessing maybe that there's like a one-way street sort of thing. It's not like... Hmm. I mean, we could speak to both experiences, but the way I interpreted it was how do you maintain a friendship when you're like, I want to kiss and bone and love on this person? Sam. I just, (laughs) it's too much. (laughs) It's not too much. It's just. This is like one of the things that happens where I'm like, I am just not equipped to handle this. Like I literally, like I literally have no tools for how to deal with this situation. That's funny. I like can't do it. That's it like funny. makes me anxious. It like so everything about it is just do? awful. Do you just like avoid those people? Cause I do that. Yeah, generally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, well, the first piece of real advice I have is, is aligned with that, which is um, I totally think these friendships are possible because guess what? We find people attractive. We find people desirable. We find them, um, we, we desire to love them. Like that just is part of human nature, even when we're coupled, right? Even when we're with, mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and friendships are possible within those terms because we are somewhat evolved beings, <laughs> somewhat. Um, but my first piece of advice would be like to take take a little time or or mm. put uh, put a little space, right? And I don't mean like you need to do a no contact thing or you don't need to tell this person why you can't see them necessarily um, or like not at all. But I just mean like, okay, so if you're h- hanging out with your best friend, you know, every single day and you also love them and want to be with them, but it's unrequited, maybe you should not see them every day. You know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I absence does not always make the heart grow fonder. <laughs> like sometimes absence like helps the heart grow some clarity. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Let's reword that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think um, that is really hard. <clears throat> and I think it's hard because too, like often if you're in that type of situation, that person might be taking up a lot of space that you're not then able to give to another person who actually like wants to date you or could date right, you. Right. right. So like, 
um, giving yourself a little bit more emotional, physical, mental space from that person can be really helpful. Um, and then the other thing that I'll just say too is like, it is really um, uncomfortable maybe to be in that type of situation, but like, it's also like, yeah. And life is sometimes uncomfortable and mm. like, we don't necessarily need the feelings to go away for us to be able to make informed decisions about those feelings. Right. Like, again, it's like, sometimes I think the standard that I've held myself to is like the, the standard for success is I don't have those feelings anymore. <laughs> right. Like right. those stop. And it's like, no, the standard of success can be, I have those feelings and I am reminding myself of like, oh, this is not a safe place for me to put those feelings or remember this person isn't interested or remember I'm choosing to find this love elsewhere, right? So I need to put more time and energy in there, right? Like it's not about like stopping the feelings necessarily so much as like figuring out how to live with them and make informed decisions about how you want to respond to those feelings rather than just like, feel them or tamp them all down and be like, I can't feel this. I can't feel this. Cause like that yes. sadly never works. Although like, let me tell you, I tried, tried that for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought up that idea of changing the metrics of success, because I definitely think we're going to like hearken back to that in later in this episode about sort mm. of like welcoming feelings in instead of like punishing ourselves for them. And I also sure. am so glad you described it in such a way that it is a perfect time for us to use your favorite tagline, which is, and also it is totally mm. possible for us to have feelings for someone and also know that not only can we not be with them, but that maybe is not the best choice for us. Or this friend is mega hot. And also I don't want to act on those feelings. And I can mm -hmm. choose to do that. It's it's a perfect time to remind ourselves that that all or nothing thought process is going to really set us up for a lot of tension and a lot more of turmoil mentally in trying for to sure. deal with this. Yeah. And I also think, too, like there are opportunities here to also consider like compulsory monogamy, too, right? Like. It is something to, to absolutely, I will say that there's opportunities here to be like, okay, I am in love with this friends. Like, what does it look like to engage with them in something that isn't monogamous or that isn't also sort of romantic, right? Like, I think sometimes we are so limited often by our lack of imagination around what relationships can look like that we absolutely. get ourselves into these like really tricky situations. And I'm not saying that non-monogamy is for everyone. And I'm not saying that everyone should go sleep with their best friend. Cause like that can be really complicated. And we can also consider what options are there out right. there that maybe aren't the things that we were told are appropriate or told are the right way to do things that could could allow you to have connections with people that might be outside of what you thought your life would look like or yeah. what other people tell you your life should look like. I love that you brought that up um, because... I love reminding ourselves that like oftentimes the restraints that we put on things when we put that we put on our feelings were are are constraints that were told to us or given to us by other people and that we get to kind of decide those things um, mm -hmm. in terms of what our relationships look like, obviously, consensually. Um, For sure. I think I think the last thing I would mention um, is earlier I joked about like not telling this person or that you don't have to like tell this person why you need a little space from them or anything but i would actually challenge you to bring these feelings to the light especially given sam's most recent piece of advice so that we don't really know what the options are out there until we kind of talk about them but 
for me, particularly, I, I think it's not a bad idea to voice some of these feelings if it's like respectful, you know, if it's like a, mm. if it's right time, right place sort of thing. Um, because if this friend does indeed say, I'm sorry, I'm still with this person and I love them or I'm not interested in a friends with benefits thing or I'm not into you, you know, I value as a friend or whatever they say, that clarity, man, the heart thrives off of clarity, right? <laughs> the, there, nothing, nothing gets my panties in a cooler faster than you telling me you don't want me, <laughs> you know? So like, <laughs> um, I'm just saying like, I don't think, I think that that clarity would actually bring me a lot of healing. So For even sure. though I said earlier, like you can do this on your own and just like take some time and put some mental barriers up between you and this person. Also, like there is something to be said about honesty because it brings clarity to the table. Yeah. Although then you can wind in that situation where it's like, yeah, I have feelings for you too. And then you're just like in a, you know, Horrible. If you're like both partner, like there can yeah, be a lot partnered. of things, but also good things could come out with that too, right? Yeah. Like it could be like, oh, maybe this is the relationship that I need to be in, and not this other People one. People are so, so like, messy. <laughs> they're so messy, and that's why I they're am so messy wonderful. Is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As soon as you said that, I like flash back to like a small handful of same entanglements yeah. <laughs> that I stupid. God, I used to think that it was really romantic, and now I just like it gives me hives. Honestly, like I'm, I'm feeling sick to my stomach thinking about it. <laughs> okay, on that note, uh, let's move into our letters. Let's do it. Okay, this letter comes from not catfishing. I swear, whose uh, pronouns are she/her, and who is writing from underneath the hone. Yeah, I realized that has to be a reference to something, but Sam and I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let me Google it really fast. Yeah, if it wasn't clear by the the lack of confidence that I went into that oh, with. Oh, uh, nope. 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 Nope, don't know what it is. There's a <laughs> okay, cool. Urban Dictionary thing, but I don't think that it applies. Might be a typo. Yeah. Okay, continue. All right, so not... Not catfishing writes, hi, Sam. Hi, Sierra. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to read this. I don't have much of a love life. I haven't gone on more than one date with anyone since 2018 and have never held down a relationship for more than three months. Sad face. So I didn't think I'd be asking for your advice anytime soon, but here I am. Earlier this year, I downloaded Hinge. I got vaccinated and felt ready to start putting myself out there again. To be honest, I've never been really great at consistency with dating apps. Most of the time, I forget I have them downloaded. So it's no surprise that the app fully dropped off my radar when I had to put my cat, Patrick, down at the beginning of the summer. Patrick was my best friend in the whole world, and he kept me company and feeling loved every day he was with me. He was immensely helpful during the pandemic with quarantine and working from home. I've never lost a pet or dealt much with death of this magnitude before, so I've been very distraught and my depression has been a lot harder to deal with because he was my emotional support animal and my baby. I'm so incredibly thankful that the vet we went to offers totally free pet loss and grieving support group. I'm a huge advocate for therapy, so I've been attending every session since Patrick's death. They occur bi-weekly. The people in the group are so nice and the counselors are amazing. I can't thank all of them enough for the help that they've provided in this time. You're probably wondering, 
where's the bit about dating or whatever? Well, this past week I reopened Hinge because I was feeling finally good enough to sort through the people that liked me. Most were duds until this really cute girl popped up with interesting convo starters and fun, relatable photos. It was an immediate, I feel good about this one moment, and I only hesitated matching to think up of a conversation starter. Then I scrolled, saw her job title, and realized she's the main counselor for the pet loss support group. I didn't recognize her photos at first because I've only ever seen her with a mask on in Zoom calls as our meetings are virtual. I'm assuming she tried to match me before I joined the support group, and I'm only just seeing it now. But what if she saw me on the app after I joined the group? Did she recognize me, either in group or on the app? Do I still match her back? How do I address this? It's a support group, not one-on-one therapy sessions, but would it still be frowned upon to date one another? She's really cool and nice, and I'd love to get to know her better, especially after my initial reaction to her profile. If it were any other person, I would have already tried to start a conversation. I just don't know if this is appropriate, but I feel like I'd regret it if I don't confirm this match. What do I say? What do I do? I'm now on one side of this knowing that we both find each other attractive and interesting, but inadvertently our relationship has started in a different manner. Please help. Any advice would be appreciated, whether on the show or not. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much for writing. Not catfishing, I swear. Um, I want to say two things preliminarily that have a little to do with the letter, but um, or a little to do with the question in the letter. One, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know that mm. losing a beloved pet is incredibly painful. And... Um, Number two, I just want to say thank you for bringing um, a lived experience of support groups to our podcast. Um, They've been on my mind the last couple of weeks, especially because do you remember a couple episodes ago, we answered a letter about someone who was self-conscious about their small penis. I got a DM mm. on our Just Break Up Instagram page, and I'm sorry, I don't remember this person's name, but it's been on my mind. That was basically like thanking us for that episode and talking about... Um, their experience um, uh, going to support groups for a different issue, but just wanted to suggest that as something for our for our letter hmm. writer. And yeah. they wrote, I don't remember exactly what they wrote, but it was something like, you know, there's really great community to be found to be found in support groups, and there's so many different support groups out there. And so that immediate that DM immediately came to my mind when we read this letter, and I just wanted to put that out there that like. I'm so glad our letter writer is going to one. I'm so glad that person who DM'd us um, has found community in that. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. extend it to our whole um, Just Break Up audience that um, both of these people are really right, that there are support groups out there for so many things, for so many different lived experiences. And it's so powerful to remind us that we're not alone it's so powerful to reach out to other people to be seen and to, to see others during difficult times or when we feel like we are an oddity or we are the only ones who have ever experienced something. Um, mm. So thanks for bringing that to the table as a reminder to me to talk about support groups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing that I just want to say too before we dive in is that I'm just so sorry for the loss of your your pet Um Patrick sounds like a really great cat and sounds like he was really um, a big support for you and somebody who was consistently there and loved you so much. And it sounds like you loved him as well. So I'm so sorry that you lost him, especially in this really, really hard time of of being at home um, and being 
sort of spending a lot of time alone. That must be really challenging. So I'm glad that you found support in your support group. Um, but I also know that that doesn't necessarily make it any easier to have lost something that is a person or a pet that is so dear to you. Yeah, so I'm definitely. so sorry. Um, I think that this letter is like, appears to be really simple on the surface, but there are, there's so much nuance in it because I kept, when I was like listening to it and reading it, I kept thinking, oh, well, if this was, if the roles were reversed and you were the group leader, I would feel a little differently if this was a different kind of grief support group or maybe a support group for maybe an eating disorder or something or um, some sort of Mm. substance recovery, I would feel differently. We also don't know if this person matched with you prior to seeing you in the support group um, or not. And like, I I acknowledge all of that, not to say yes or no in any directions or right and wrong or right or wrong in any directions quite yet, but just to say like, I understand why you are tripping over this a little because it seems simple. On the surface, I'm like, go for it. (laughs) And then when you dive a little bit deeper, when you think for a couple more minutes, you're like, well, I just want to make sure that I'm respecting the sacred space that is that support group and respecting this person's professionalism and any bylaws that they are bound to and the group is bound to. So, um like you're not overthinking this one, um, but hopefully we can clear some of it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, the truth is, is that Sierra and I don't know the nuances of this because we are not mental health professionals, right? right? And the thing is, is that this person is, right? So like, <laughs> I think, um, you know, we had a situation like this where where a person was developing feelings for their therapist and the sort of loud and clear message that we got from professional therapists was like, tell your therapist that that's how you're feeling so that they can either rebuff, right, in the appropriate way or in whatever case this is, right? Like, I don't know the rules around group right. sessions um, or sessions around pet therapy or whatever right. it is. Like, allow the professional to sort of say like, hey, I am appreciative of your advances and also like this is just not professional yeah um, right and and so like I think one of the things that can be challenging for me especially is this idea of like letting go of some some of that control or like I think about it sort of as like um particularly in therapists and groups like it's their job to hold the room right like it's their job to hold the space and that can be really challenging sometimes when we're in that space to want to like be like okay well here we go i want to i want to fix this or like i'm not sure about this but like trust this person's professionalism trust this person's ability to do their job and who knows what the the parameters are but they'll know what those parameters are and and i would say like don't don't fret yourself into a place where you're not going to you're going to lose the chance to talk to this person who might be like, it's not a problem. Like, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's no professional constraints here. Like, you know, it might be that, like, they're not part of that group anymore or like whatever it is that. Yes. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. And so I would say tell this person and let them decide whether or not it's within their professional constraints to date you or not date you. Yes. Um, would you reach out to them on Hinge or whatever, or would you reach out to them via a professional means? I don't know if there's, I don't know if they have access to that email or whatever, but I, I my instinct is, is Hinge, right? Like my instinct mm-hmm. is to say, 
how about this? I'll freestyle a script and you can <laughs> workshop it. <laughs> so I would reach out to this person on Hinge and say something like, hey, I this is really um, serendipitous, but I was totally drawn to your profile um, because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And then I realized that I know you through this grief support group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if this is... Uh, unethical or if this is inappropriate. Um, But I wanted to say I'm interested in you and I'm curious as to what are the boundaries or blah, 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 blah. I don't know how to make that sound cuter. (laughs) Maybe you can help me. (laughs) You know that I'm all about straightforward communication in this way. So I'm just like, I think that that was great of like, Hey, saw your profile, saw that you matched with me. I don't know when it was because I haven't downloaded the app in forever. Yes, say that. I'm interested in dating or I I thought that your profile was super interesting and I think that you're, you know, cute or whatever. And I also want to respect the fact that like we're in sort of a professional relationship. So I would love to consider moving forward with you, but also we'll leave it up to you to tell me whether or not that's appropriate or whether or not that's in your comfort zone, right? Or whatever it is. Right. And, um, people might think like, oh my God, I can't believe that you would write that in a whole message, but like, I don't have time to, Sam. to like, to deal with not just talking about the things. <laughs> I was literally just thinking about how in the checkup, check in, checkup topic, check-in topic, I was like, clarity makes the heart grow stronger. <laughs> you know, like I want to mm-hmm. know, um, wait, that wasn't the phrase that I used, but that's a, no, that's a, it wasn't, that's but a spin-off yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow clarity and clarity makes the heart go stronger. <laughs> yes. Not fonder, stronger. I love it. <laughs> Just yeah. like nothing, totally. nothing is the same. Yeah, put that on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, you, it's okay to ask for these clarifying things. It's, it's okay to literally determine the relationship before there is a relationship. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's DT, DTD, it's determining the details. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Put that too. on a pillow. <laughs> I think, I think, like Sam said, our, our instincts are only our own and they're, they are coming from places of being non, non mental health professionals. Instinctually, I feel like there's nothing wrong in, with sending this message. You're not putting them in a morally compromised position. If anything, you are seeking out clarity so that you can have the healthiest boundaries for the two of you. Mm -hmm. And maybe a cute boo or maybe a fantastic support group person who you only know professionally. It's a win-win situation here. Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't respond or if there's Right. Like if that sends out to the void and you don't get any response to you, like it doesn't have to change the dynamics of your support group either. Yeah. Right? Like you can still be like, go to it and find help and support from it as well. Right. Like we're right. capable of sort of holding multiple truths in our head at the same time. Um, and I think that you you can find a place to be like, yep, that person didn't see my message. They didn't respond to it, whatever it is. And I want to keep going to this group because it's going to be helpful for me. Absolutely. All right, my darling non-catfisher, we love you. We're sorry for your loss, and we hope that this helps. Absolutely. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. I can't wait for all of the people that are going to DM us and be like, no, she should not tell (laughs) (laughs) we don't know what we're doing guys (laughs) we're here to learn all right our next letter is from love is middle name a battlefield love is a battlefield great song whose pronouns are she her and 
they are writing to us from the void. Dear Sam and Sierra, thank you so much for your insightful podcast, which has been a great comfort to me at many points during the pandemic. Listening to your advice to others and writing you letters have been, has both been very healing for me. I haven't gotten a reply yet, though hopefully this time's the charm. It is. But (laughs) the letters were cathartic to write and serve as souvenirs of my self-development over this period, as I've done a lot of reflecting on my romantic history and thought through how I might build healthier patterns for myself. As the world has opened back up, I've started to date again and trying to put those lessons into practice. But some things have come up that I didn't really expect. Particularly, I'm used to being love-bombed in new relationships, that I'm struggling to feel secure when I meet people who have a more healthy, measured approach to dating. In other words, exactly the kind of people I want to date. My romantic history has primarily consisted of one to three month intense, almost relationships or flings. I rarely connect with people, but when I do, it usually gets intense fast. We go on long adventure dates and start talking all the time. And often the person will shower me with compliments and sweet gestures that make me feel very loved and secure. But this never lasts because something always comes up and they disappear from my life quickly. The reasons vary. A sudden bout of intense depression, an impending move, a realization that they're not healed from a recent breakup, etc. For various reasons, my typical dating experience is of being love-bombed and then suddenly left in a lurch. The pandemic helped me understand these patterns and realize I have a tendency to form attachments to people who are emotionally unavailable in various ways. So now I'm back to dating. I'm trying to build healthier patterns by seeking out people who are more secure and ready for commitment. But now that I'm doing that, I realize that I'm so used to being showered with attention and affection from new people that the absence of those behaviors makes me feel super insecure. For the last month, I've been seeing this guy we can call Eli. Eli seems to have a secure attachment style and in general seems better suited for me than a lot of other people I've dated. He's emotionally mature, kind, thoughtful. He seems to know himself well and be good at communicating his needs and feelings accurately and honestly, which is a big difference from my previous paramours. And most importantly, he's been taking things slow. We've hung out weekly and sporadically texted in between. We always have a nice time together and I get the feeling he's being very deliberate in taking the time to get to know me and feel things out. No grand declarations of love or promises for the future, just showing up consistently to get to know me better. While I know this is all good and healthy, it's so different from my previous experiences of being love-bombed that it's making me a bit dizzy. To the emotional Pavlovian part of my brain, dating doesn't look like this slow, careful, measured process. It looks like receiving compliments and constant text and planning tons of dates all at once and making grandiose statements about the future. Logically, I know the sense of security that those behaviors gave me was a false security since those people subsequently disappeared, promises forgotten. But the emotional part of my brain feels so anxious without the constant reassurance. Logically, I know Eli likes me because he keeps hanging out with me and wants to kiss me and in general has given me no reason to doubt that he's interested in seeing where things go. But the mismatch between this approach and my previous intense flings is hard to navigate and it's bringing out a whole host of anxious attachment responses that I didn't even realize I had in me. How can I rewire my brain to embrace this new type of sustainable, secure dating Whether things work out with Eli or not, I know this is an approach to dating that I should keep in the future because it's much more sustainable and healthy and likely to find me a secure long-term commitment with a person who is mature and emotionally available. But that hasn't seemed to compute 
to the emotional part of my brain that is racked with worry about a man who realistically has given me no reason to doubt him at all. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this situation and how I can get my emotional impulses to align with the new approaches to dating I want to embrace. Yours, love is a battlefield. All right, my darling, love is a battlefield. Let's just call you love. Uh, thank you so much for writing and for sharing this very relatable, very vulnerable letter. <laughs> um, I know that so many people are going to appreciate the time and care you took in um, typing this letter out and the catharsis that you said that you experienced. It's going to be experienced by other listeners. So thanks for that. And also, this is so relatable. This is so relatable even to... My securely and in the past dismissive attached co-host, correct? Like you, <laughs> sorry, I was a little clunky there, but like this it's, is. It's like, who are, who are we talking about? <laughs> like Sam might not like to go grocery shopping with his dates in like the the, the first week of knowing each other like I do. Um, the Sierra Seer, if you remember that from past episodes. Um <laughs> But I know you know what it's like to, like, have a really, like, toxic, hot and heavy um, love, you know, affirmation of love. And then to go to, like, a normal one. <laughs> and you're like, do you even love me? Why haven't you, like, keyed my car yet? <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my experience with those types of things might be a little different than yours. Because it's usually, like, a... Um, more of a like, oh, this is happening and then sort of now it's over and now I don't have that person anymore. And there's like a bit of like nostalgia or like a little bit of like what could have been, um, at least for me, like, but it was never, you know, I don't know what it's like to be anxiously attached. So I don't know what it's like to have this, like to be love bombed mm. like this and sort of then create an attachment in that way, because like when all of that was happening, I was also like not super securely attached either. And I was very avoidant. Um, so it was actually, it was easier for me to have those types of relationships because it meant that I didn't have to engage very much like emotionally yeah, in yeah, things. Okay. Um, I just assumed yeah. <laughs> because of all the times we talked about like the crazy intense high of those toxic relationships and the, and mm -hmm. the letdown from them is feels like withdraw sometimes, you know, it's like mm -hmm. where, what happened to all that intensity um, is something mm. wrong because I'm not feeling it anymore. But that's like a great clarifying point. Um, so thanks for, or sorry for assuming that. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think being in those situations is so different than being outside of them, mm, right? Which mm -hmm. is so funny because it's like inside it can feel like, super intense and like oh everything about this makes sense because we're so in love and outside you're like um you met like two months ago yeah totally, <laughs> like, totally. what is what is happening here um yeah so it's just it's interesting like i've seen a lot of friends do a lot of this thing yeah. around like suddenly we're in we're like telling each other we love each other after like three weeks of dating and you're like interesting okay <laughs> i i think the way that it i, I want to figure out a way that to describe it it's you know, for somebody who's anxiously attached, but maybe for anyone who is seeking validation externally, like, out, or like who isn't practiced in validating themselves, those grandiose mm. um, declarations of love 
can feel really exciting and romantic and like the thing you were looking for your whole life, yep. like liking, looking for those things that made you a worthy person or defined you or made your life better. Um, there's like a, <clears throat> there's a weird coming home sensation when, when like an anxiously attached um, or an insecure person meets um, another person who's going to shower them with all the love and affection that that person didn't think that they deserved or were looking for, or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a sense of completion, even if it's toxic, you know, there's a sense of like, oh, finally I have, I have connected with this goodness, you know, or my life has Mm -hmm. righted itself. And then, so even if it's toxic, there is this codependent relationship within the sensation of affirmation itself, you know, um, because so many so many people like myself who found themselves in these hot and heavy bursts of romance For sure. um, were not versed or good at giving that affirmation to yourself independent of other people, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, and I think like too, for like avoidant people in those situations as well, it's like, it's also really intoxicating because it's like, you know, avoidant people who are emotionally or are sorry avoidantly attached also want attachment right like they want it they're just not good at it yeah and so like the idea of like oh i can be really attached to this person and i've made up a bunch of things about them and i don't have to be super emotionally invested because we just met and i just get to like project all of the things i want on them and then i get to leave (laughs) yeah like totally and then when like it's like oh we have to go grocery shopping together i'm like no 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 no, no, that's romantic we're not doing that (laughs) (laughs) we're absolutely not doing that we're not gonna have a fight in the grocery store about this thing like that's not that's not the emotional attachment that i want so like yeah it 100 makes percent makes sense that these like these short trysts feel so intense because our brains are like this is great this is Mm -hmm. exactly what i've been looking for and then it's like oh but it's not sustainable (laughs) yeah um So that like musing aside, I do, I want to try to shift a perspective in this letter writer and in this letter that like, I'm not sure how to navigate. So maybe you can help me out. Um, I want to pose the idea that I love, I love all of this growth that the letter writer is doing. And I love these goals and these new patterns that she's trying to apply. Um, but I want to shift the perspective away from my old form of dating was unhealthy to mm. this one is the healthy right one. I want it to be more like, okay, so this this partner, Eli, it's – I want you to prioritize thinking this this partner is more stable, more healthy, more balanced than – and more available, let's say, than the past partners mm-hmm. rather than that style of dating. Because, and I'm not sure if I can like eloquently say this, like <sighs> we hear of love bombing in a, in lots of like negative ways, but I don't want to discredit some relationships that I know that are healthy, even in my own history, like I'll call myself out on this people who sure. are codependent like myself, um, who they move fast and they, and they're hot from the beginning and they are sure from the beginning or whatever m- weird magical love thing it is that <laughs> weird Sam out. <laughs> um, I guess like 
my point in clumsily trying to articulate something here is to our letter writer, love, like you're not a broken, unhealthy person who needs a healthy person to date. Right. Um, I love I love the perspective that you're having. I love the goals that you have and the patterns like you and I are very kindred. And these are these are my goals as well. Um, I just I don't want you to think that these urges that you have to, to be loved and affirmed, to want from your partner are necessarily bad because right. they're not. They're not bad. You've seen how they can be untrustworthy or unsustainable from partners who are not emotionally available, right? Mm -hmm. But it is mm -hmm. absolutely okay to want affection and reassurance from a partner who is emotionally available to give it to you, <laughs> you know? That was very You're, clumsy, but like you get me at the end. <laughs> absolutely. You're giving the advice that I always give because you're always like, people who have yes. anxious attachment <laughs> styles need to be better. And I'm like, or they can just continue to ask their partners for the emotional support that they need because you like they're not have broken humans. <laughs> Single-handedly re rewired that part of my brain. <laughs> I mean like Good. most of it. There's still some like fray wires like sparking around <laughs> yeah, there. For sure. Yeah, yeah, those patterns are hard to unlearn. I get it. Yeah. But um, I see it in other I see it in a letter writers immediately where I think like I think it's I think this is like a just really quickly to say, like, I think this is Something that's tricky about the self-help world or the self-examination journey is that sure. we're quick to say, these are my broken, old, uh, unhealthy patterns. And these are mm -hmm. the ones that will lead me to a better life, a better, you know, whatever, instead mm -hmm. of just being like, this is who I am. And how can I, how can I equip myself as I am to have that healthy, sustainable life instead of becoming a totally different person? Right. Absolutely. It's about self-awareness not to, to become a different person. It's about self-awareness to to practice different things and to like know ourselves well enough to be able to to like shift and adapt our behavior and expectations of ourselves and others yeah. in relationship with them. Yeah. Right. So like you're not a bad person for wanting to or for feeling a little bit like you want the pace to be moving yeah. faster or like to feel a little bit uncomfortable with with how things are going because it's not love mom love mom love mom right that's not doesn't make you a bad person that's just an awareness that you can have about like this is how i this is how i have encountered relationships this is what i expect from relationships i know that that's not healthy and sustainable for me so i'm trying to do something different you're still not a bad person for wanting it right and so i think that you can talk to Eli about this in a way that isn't about him and like not being there enough for you but is more about like what you what are you experiencing in this relationship right which is to say my previous relationships have all, all been love bombed right and that hasn't worked for me and i'm really excited that we're trying something new and it's really new for me i feel unpracticed, right? yeah like, yeah for sure like just like that's how we form what are i think more authentic and like healthy emotional bonds with people is rather than like projecting all of our hopes and dreams on people, instead being like, I here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. Well, how are you feeling? What are you going through? Right. Yeah. And that attempt not to say like same, same, right? Like you're going through it, I'm going through it, or like to lobby people to say like we're going through this in the same way. But instead to really practice this thing of being like, I can show up in my full emotional space 
and with my full needs present and you can do the same and we can find ways to see each other in those emotions and, and needs and support each other to the best of our ability. And sometimes yeah. that might not be the best, but sometimes, but like, that's really what it's about. Like that is to me is much more true authenticity and emotional connection than like love bombing. <laughs> or like, yeah, totally. Than those like really intense things where you're like, I'm, I'm going to marry you after like a day. And it's like, that's so romantic. And it's like, no, that what? Yeah. I'm sorry to people who are like married to people who like knew each other for a day. Like that totally exists. And that, <laughs> that works for some people. <laughs> it just was not my experience. <laughs> you know what I realized that's making me stumble on is on this is when, oh, first of all, excellent little monologue there crushed it <laughs> thank you you're welcome um <laughs> but th then i realized what's making me stutter i think in this or like stumble over my words is when i think about love bombing i think about it as a abusive control tactic to sure. rectify like an abusive outburst or whatever so like if somebody is physical with you or says something um atrocious or acts in a way that oversteps your boundaries or, or whatever in like a toxic behavior, then I, th I think about love bombing in terms of like the person who shows up with flowers and is so kind and does the dishes every day. And is, I'm never going to do that again, baby. I love you so much. I need sure, you, sure. you know, like I think about it as the, um, the, the call and response of a lot of abusive moves and, mm -hmm. I, I don't actually know what like the working definition of it, but that's how I think of it. So, and in, in this circumstance, in the letter writer's description, what I'm really picturing is like sort of what you said that, that has nothing to do with the type of emotional attachment we have it. Cause it can be dismissive or anxious or whatever. It's that when right. you meet each other and you have this intense false intimacy this false, mm -hmm. this, you know, like how you, it's always easier to like date somebody you don't know <laughs> because you don't know <laughs> yeah. their, their baggage or their history or, you know, what their breath smells like in the morning. And you can escape into this fantasized, idealized fantasy, essentially, of, of that temporary state and never have to deal with the true vulnerability of getting to know someone. Um, yes. And so I don't mean to say this isn't love bombing. I don't I don't know what the working definition of it is. But I think if I shifted away from love bombing and my understanding of it, I see this as people really wanting to get the reap the benefits of a relationship without the labor and the vulnerability of being truly known and truly seen for whatever mm -hmm. fucking reason. Like we don't know. Um, and this is by far not a fault of your own love is a battlefield. It's not, it's not, you know, people didn't leave you because they got to know you or anything like that. This is just the way people who in a society that really is afraid of vulnerability, learn to find connection hot and fast. Mm. And then, and then, then we're gone. Um, anyway, that was just like a little side that I thought of. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it, it reinforces what I said earlier, which is like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, oh my God, I really like you. And I want to see you a couple of times this week. Oh my God, I really like you. And I want you to tell me that you think I'm beautiful. Oh my God, I really like you. You think you love me after a couple of weeks? Well, let me check on my inner <laughs> compass, <laughs> check on my inner, like inner well of resiliency and think like, do I think this person is overstepping? Do I think this person is playing 
vulnerability with me right now? Are they imitating intimacy with me right now? That's I'm not trying to like shade on people who have intense feelings really fast, but like there's nothing wrong with moving quickly, but we have to be able, we have to have that sense of stealth to lean back on to like take the gauge, mm. the temperature of things. I'm kind of mm-hmm. all over the place on this letter, but maybe because I relate to it so much. <laughs> <laughs> These are all things that you've thought a lot about, apparently. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that that is my advice. Love is a battlefield is to really talk about what you're going through and how you're feeling and offer space to for Eli to talk about what he's going through and how he is feeling Um, and to remind yourself exactly what you're doing already. Just to remind yourself over and over again, like I'm trying this new thing out. Right. I'm not practiced in it. It doesn't feel super comfortable. And I know that this is a healthy decision for me, right? Like sometimes I think we get into this mindset of like perfectionism of like, I need to be really good at this thing. Like I need it to feel immediately different, but like you're doing something that is so outside of your current practice. That's so outside of your comfort zone or what you're used to or what you are drawn to. And so of course it's going to feel weird. And of course it's going to feel like you're doing something wrong. And of course it's going to be like, I'm used to this and I'm not getting it. What do I do? Right. Those are all super normal things to be struggling with in a situation where you're trying something out. So like, good job. Keep your mind reminding yourself of that. Keep celebrating things as they come up too. right. When you are not texting him at two in the morning with like all of these like anxieties or whatever it is, even though you could do that. Right. If you could. But like, what are the so- things you're going to celebrate about the fact that you're trying this new thing and it feels weird and awkward and and strange and you're doing it because you know that it's good for you, right? Yeah. Like, how can you pat yourself on the back for trying this new thing? Let me let me interpret that into anxious attachment language and I'm going to say, um, this is a great opportunity for you to practice getting your needs met in healthy ways. Instead of acting mm. out, instead of these grandiose gestures, instead of the, the intense call and response that a lot of us anxious attachment people do, which is like, oh my God, I love you. Do you love me? (laughs) Um, Instead, this is a great time to practice validating those needs. I need to be affirmed. I want to know what we're doing. Are we exclusive? Are we not exclusive? Like, what are the parameters of our relationship? Are you interested in me? Do you find me attractive? Like, these are things that I'd like to know that make me feel good about myself because of X, Y, and Z reason. It could be your fucking love language, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But now is the time to practice getting those needs met in those healthy, sustainable ways, which is not not having those needs. It's asking for those <laughs> right. needs in in a healthy way, a communicative, vulnerable way. For sure. It's also like, let me say one corny thing in this letter that I've already been really <laughs> random and sporadic in, which is um, this is a great time. This is what I wish I did during my single time that I never got to do. It's a great time to like date yourself. And I know that sounds really cliche, but mm. um, I wish I did that for myself a little bit more. Like, once I understood my anxious attachment style and my and my and p- the parts of myself that I didn't like how they showed up in relationships, um, so many of them were really based around my sense of self and my sense of worth and my relationship to myself. And I wish I would have like practiced saying like, I love myself. Oh, I think I'm attractive. <laughs> I am valuable <laughs> or like whatever For that sure. would look like. Or instead, you know, on those nights in which I felt like I needed to text someone or get somebody to text me back, maybe I go out to dinner by myself. Um, I dress up 
and go out with friends or some, you know, like that intentionality, that building of that muscle of that inner reservoir that I was talking about. Um, it's a great time to do that, especially now that you're taking it slow with Eli, who seems like a pretty nice guy. Absolutely. All right, my darling, love is a battlefield. Thank you so much for this letter. It obviously struck a chord with me and Sam and I hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. All right, our third and final letter comes from Crushed and Defeated, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from under the weight of my own decisions. Been there. <laughs> Uh, she writes, hi, Sam and Sierra. I, 28 years old, she, her, have been in my relationship, uh, 31 years old, he, him, for four years. We love each other so much and had a beautiful first year or two. Ever since then, it's honestly been difficult. He has gone through a lot of trauma in his life and has difficulty opening up about it. Since COVID, that trauma has intensified. We are both healthcare workers and put an enormous strain on our relationship. I feel that he trusts me, but also really isn't able to trust anyone completely because of his history with his family, as well as past abusive relationship. He refuses to talk about things openly in therapy. For example, he'll talk about his feelings of depression, but doesn't get past the superficial of how he feels into why he feels that mm. way with anyone except for me. I have encouraged him to go to individual therapy, couples therapy, and open up with his own friends. But he tends to find a reason not to, like his extremely challenging schedule, which is entirely valid and yet doesn't change the outcome. I've felt for a while as though I'm holding up the emotional end of the relationship, even though I know that he completely loves and supports me. I wonder if I'm just waiting or hoping for him to grow and change in this way and that he can't or won't do it, at least right not right now. He encourages me to follow my goals Speaks my love languages. My family and friends love him. We enjoy many similar activities and we share many of the same life goals. We have made plans for many future adventures together. As you can tell, in some ways, this is a good true love and yet also feels unsustainable or unreachable to me now. Over the last several months, I've felt emotionally unfulfilled, turned to him less and less to discuss my own problems and feel alone even when I'm with him. I think you'll ultimately tell me what my head knows, if not my heart, which is that all else has failed and we should just break up. However, part of me has known all of the above for a long time, years even, but because of the love and because in so many other ways it is a healthy, caring relationship, I have remained in it until four years later when I'm deeply unhappy in the relationship, but also when we live together and our lives are intertwined 
in a way that makes the grief and pain of leaving him now so, so, so much worse. I know that parts of this involve the sunk cost fallacy Mm. and that there's a degree to which I should just learn what I learn and grieve what I grieve and move forward. However, part of me keeps torturing myself with, when should I have known? Why did it take me four years to acknowledge an aspect of his personality that has always been there? I wonder if I just needed to see the relationship fall apart, to, to feel it crumble under me before I could leave. But otherwise, I would always wonder if I had done enough or left too soon. My question is this, for those of us who believe in the idea that long-term love is an act of choice, how do you know when to stop making that choice in the absence of addiction or abuse? As somebody who perhaps stays in relationships past their expiration dates, do you have any advice or tools for leaving before you are standing in the rubble? Lots of love, crushed. Oh, crushed, my darling. Thank you so much for sharing your heartache with us. Um... I just want to acknowledge how impossible this situation feels. And um, I'm grateful for you to voice it to Sam and I and our Just Breakup community um, that you trust us. And I think I like, I don't think I'm going to take time to talk about like the nuances of your relationship because I don't know them beyond what we shared and what you shared is complicated and hard and, and terribly disgustingly human. Um, Mm. I think what I want to focus on today is relieving you of the pressure that you did something wrong, that you missed something earlier in the relationship that you should have seen this coming because even if you knew then you didn't know what you know today there, this mm. isn't a wrong timeline. This isn't the the incorrect unfolding of events. This is exactly how it was supposed to be. This is exactly how. This is the only way it is. Mm-hmm. It has gone down. There is no other path. There is no. There is no rewinding. There is no cue that you missed. There is no. Um, uh, entrance that you forgot to take or opportunity that you overlooked because you just didn't know enough. This is, this is exactly when this conversation was meant to happen. And I know that's so painful when it feels like when how, when it feels like there's no right time and yet you're, you are crushed under this guilt of feeling like you should have done it earlier Well, you didn't because you couldn't, because you saw something else. Even if it always felt wrong, Mm. you couldn't, you didn't have the perspective that you have now four years in. And it might be, it might be, you know, two degrees different of perspective, but you needed that. You needed that time. And, and honestly, the thing I want you to hear loud and clear is like an affirmation that, of course, you're not trying to hurt this person. You would, you would do anything to not hurt this person, like stay with them too long. And Hmm. I know that this is impossible to feel and impossible to decide and that you would, you know, I would never wish this on anyone. That's like, that's like the conundrum of human connection is that in order to be loved and fully seen, we have to be so vulnerable. And that means we have to put ourselves out there to be hurt and hurt other people. This is a part of life. And I just want to relieve you of that guilt and say, you never wanted this. 
You're not doing this in a cruel way. You're not doing this to be hurtful. And Sam and I know that you don't want to hurt this person you love. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I resonate with this letter a lot because I also really struggle with shaming myself or yeah. for beating myself for not knowing things or not picking up on the signs that in retrospect fall together and make everything seem so clear. It's like one of the, I would say one of the places where I spend the most time mm. practicing that self-abuse of mm -hmm. like, the the signs were all there. Like, oh, you're such an idiot. I can't believe that you didn't figure this out. And now look where you're at. If you had mm -hmm. figured it out earlier, then things would be different and people wouldn't be hurt or you wouldn't be hurt or things wouldn't have been right. so bad. Or you could have protected yourself Right. from the bad thing that happened, right? You could have you could have kept your heart in its little glass cage and, longer. And his heart. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I think um, it's really challenging to, to knock yourself out of that mindset, or at least it is for me, because it does feel like my understanding of the universe is that if I can know it, I can make it right, or I can make sure that I don't hurt myself or that other people don't get hurt, wow. right? And that's a beautiful, let me say this, that's a beautiful, profound thing that I'm trying to do, right? Like it is so yeah, it's not a, beautiful. It's, yeah. Yeah. That that's what. That you're that trying this, to protect all of us. Yeah. I'm trying to protect my own feelings and I'm trying to protect other people from things. Like it's so beautiful that that is the impulse that I have and that, and that I have somehow learned that, that knowing things or that picking up on signs and being super intuitive and being really self-aware is like going to solve all of those problems and no one will ever feel anything bad again. Um, and it's not true, <laughs> right? Like right. it's a beautiful, noble impulse in me to do these things. And it doesn't prevent people from getting hurt, right? It doesn't prevent people from getting hurt in big ways or in small ways. Um, and I want to say that to you, my friend, is that like, knowing this earlier would not have prevented mm. things from hurting, mm. right? It wouldn't, it would not have, it would not have, cause it still would have hurt cause wow. it still would have been painful and challenging. And even if you didn't live together by the time you figured it out, there would, it still would have been hard. It still would have been entanglements that would have been challenging. It's not your fault for not picking up the signs earlier, right? Yeah. That's, you're just human. You're living in existence. You're only doing the best that you can with what you have available to you with what you can see. And of course it makes sense in retrospect. Of course it does because yeah. so many things make sense in retrospect. That's the nature of life is suddenly when we have all the details, it's like, oh yeah, that makes a ton of oh. sense. Right. <laughs> but that's not how the world, we're like, it's the world doesn't work to say you yeah. have everything that you need to know in this moment to make the perfect right decision. You just are going with what you have available to you. Yeah. And you are making the perfect right decision in any given moment because it's the only decision you could possibly make with what you have in you and without you and what what you know and what you don't know. Yeah. And you might, you know, like that little shaming voice in you might say, but I knew, I knew it. Like you said in your letter, mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't right, right? Well, sure. Maybe you knew that, but we... We know a lot of things before we're ready to act on them. We we mm. know a lot of things before we're able to actualize them into our lives and actions. And you just weren't ready. 
and now you are. And now you know what you need to do to free yourself and to free him. And I know that freedom comes with pain. And I know that freedom mm. comes with what feels like blame, right? But the, again, mm-hmm. my mantra to you would be to say it is unavoidable. We cannot walk through life. We cannot be connected to experience intimacy with other people without experiencing pain and without hurting people. I'm not talking Mm. about being selfish assholes, you know, although we all have the right to be that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) especially since this is all our first time doing this, you know, we have a Mm -hmm. right to fuck up. Um, But this is unavoidable. This thing that you're going to do that is going to change both of your lives, that is going to inconvenience both of your lives, that is going to hurt your hearts and, and change your relationships this is for you too. This is a part of it. Um, sometimes we have to go through painful things to to reach that authenticity, to reach that that feeling in life that we know, that surety that we get only from doing those things we know that are right, even if they don't feel it feel good. You for know. Sure. And also sometimes we just have to do painful things because we have to do painful things, right? right. Like yeah, totally. Like sometimes like it's just that's what life has thrown at us. That's what the universe has provided us with, which is that, and there's nothing important to learn from it, right? Mm -mm. There's nothing, there's no profound lesson that's supposed to be imparted of you should spend more time doing the important learning. You should be investigating more to put that, like that is not necessarily what the universe is teaching us because the universe is, is random. The universe is what it is. Right. And so I also, I have that problem too of like, well, I had this hard thing happen and now there's something deep I need to learn about myself and other people. And like, sure, you can do that, but like, that's not the reason why we go through hard things. Right. And it's okay to take a step back and say like, there's nothing that I need to learn from this moment. I just have to recognize that this is hard and it sucks and I hate it and I have no other choice but to go through it. Right. And that's, that's, that's all that there is available to me. And let me let me spin one more thing for you, Crushed. Um, you, I love the language you use in your letter when you say, for those of us who believe that long-term love is an active choice, um, you can make this decision and still believe that. And there are multiple ways you can you can still you can still live that. Right. Um, the first is knowing that this love is not the love for you. You know that, right? So you are mm-hmm. actually making a decision in service to this belief, right? That love is an active choice. You're making this active choice in the name of love, right? Mm -hmm. And the other way that you can can embody this is long-term love is an active choice. And that is especially true when we talk about your relationship with yourself and your authenticity. You know this to be true. You know that even though this is a good man who you have love for, who you have respect for, you know that this is not the love for you. And and I know, girl, I know you would change that if you could. If you could press a button inside yourself and make this be right, you would do that, mm. right? Because you love this person and because you don't want to hurt them and because you don't want to go through this. But that's not the way the world is. That's not the way our hearts are. And so you know this authentic truth. And so I want you to make this active 
choice, this active decision for yourself in the name of love. This choice is made in the name of love for yourself, for your future self, for your future loves. Mm, I love that. All right, my darling. We love you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. That's when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with... It is a memoir um, by Tara Westover called Educated. I know that this book was very popular. It was, I think it was published in 2018. It was on like Oprah's list or whatever. It made the celebrity round. So yeah, I think Barack Obama put it on his best books yes, of 2018. I am so. late <laughs> to the party. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a party. I want to say this. Um, I just listened to the book on audio tape um, and it's phenomenally written. It's compelling. It's heartbreaking. Um, and it was deeply uncomfortable to listen to for many reasons. The story is the story of um, a memoir, a true life story of a, of a girl raised in a Mormon, a super religious um, and conservative Mormon family. Um, and there are interwoven themes of mental illness and familial abuse. And, you know, her father mm -hmm. is like super off the grid and anti-establishment and um, they aren't taken to school. They're not given birth certificates. Um, so it's very interesting, but it's also uncomfortable to listen to. Uh, honestly, like y'all, I'm still processing the book because I think it, I think reading a memoir as a writer made me almost uncomfortable. Like I felt her vulnerability. I felt the vulnerability of like, I don't know, um, the understanding that like I have my truth and Sam has his truth and this author had their truth. And that is like a deeply vulnerable thing to have that, that your understanding of the world and the truth to be out there on display, especially in a form of, uh, creative writing, you know, like it's, um, I don't know. It for just sure. like brought up a lot of feelings for me, but it, the reason why I'm suggesting it, other than the fact that I did enjoy it, even though it was, it was, it was just uncomfortable. It brought up a lot of feelings for me, um, is because it, it has lots of themes of gaslighting and of abuse and control, but in familial places and also in, um, uh, mindsets and different perspectives. Like Sam and I always talk on this podcast about like how each of our own realities are our own realities. And when we date or are in relationship with one another, romantic or not, those two realities are, are combating each other, you know, or, or at, mm -hmm. or whatever. And it was just like a very beautiful illustration of sort of untangling your understanding of the reality from your upbringing, from, you know, the world, from, your surroundings. I don't know. I'm obviously still processing it because my endorsement out of it is like 38,000 words <laughs> in a, in what is meant to be a three minute segment. <laughs> um, uh -huh. but I thought it was a easy and beautiful read and definitely, um, definitely thought provoking in many different ways. So that is the book educated the not, the, excuse me, the memoir educated by Tara Westover. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. Most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, where 
where you can also get our merchandise. <laughs> well done. Thank you. <laughs> Please remember to follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the name Big Cats and Remember. And his podcast. And his podcast, The Layer's Layer. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and Remember. Now is the time. Here's your permission. You can release that shame. That person isn't who you were anymore. You don't need to carry it anymore. You no longer need to ask yourself to be perfect. You no longer need to be punished for the decisions you made when you were just doing your best. Release yourself of that. You deserve to be free. And if all else fails... Just break up. <laughs> <laughs>